Warning, this podcast challenges you to make the hard-hitting decisions like ketchup or mustard, um, New York style or Chicago style deep dish, uh, what else, Biggie or Tupac, bow hunting or rifle hunting. Me, I tackle those challenges head on. Ketchup, New York style, it's the only way to go. Biggie, of course. I'm a Brooklyn boy. And of course, bow hunting. What? You think I'm wrong? Hey, change my mind. What up, what up, what up? Welcome to episode 29 of When the Hunt Calls. I'm your host, Cliff Cadet. What's going on? What's going on, y'all? All All right. I truly hope this episode finds you all, your friends, your family, safe and healthy, Um, especially in these chaotic times we find ourselves in between the coronavirus, between, you know, social justice issues and whatnot. Um, I just want to make sure everybody understands uh, remembers and truly believes you know that they are blessed and highly favored in the eyes of the lord and at the end of the day that's all that matters isn't it that's what i'm talking about all right let's get down to business y'all my guest today is somebody that i have been a fan of their instagram content for a while hey what else is new you know what i'm saying a lot of my guests are people that i i learned um I learned about through social media, through Instagram specifically. This guy's no different. Um, I've talked about him before. Um, I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge fan of his work because um, it's basically pieces of art. All right. Um, and this is none other than Mark Buzzle of Nor'easter Game Calls and MAB Custom Knives. All right. This dude creates custom, custom game calls. Um, I'm not going to say you name it, he throws it in there, but you name it and he'll at least try to get it in there. I've seen him make a game call with shredded $100 bills in it. I've seen him make a game call with, uh, I, I believe it was real gold flakes in it. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's just it's just ridiculous. This dude, I can't do, I can't say nothing about his grind and his hustle because his work ethic is ridiculous. This dude has a, a regular nine to five um, like I do. You know what I'm saying? Then he gets home from work and from at least 7, 7.30 p.m. till midnight, this dude is in his shop busting out these custom calls for y'all, for anybody who wants. And and all it is is, yo, you, you're interested in something. It's just a, just a matter of you hitting them up and being like, yo, Mark, can we throw this in a call for me? You know, in a deer call, in a turkey call, something like that. And he'll tell you yes or no. But from what I've learned after speaking to him, he's going to tell you, I'll try. All right. Sit back, relax, enjoy my conversation with Mark Buzzle of Norisa Game Calls. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am on the line with Mark. Uh, Mark, I'm, I don't want to butcher your last name, so I'm going to have you actually introduce yourself. Mark, how do you say it? It's Mark Buzzle, but I say it Mac. <laughs> oh, my bad. Mac Buzzle. Mark Buzzle. All right, Mark. So you yeah, are. Mac. <laughs> you are the the owner of Nor'easter Game Calls and MAB Custom Knives, correct? That's correct. Yep. All right. So, um, 
I wanted to get you on here uh, today for this episode, mainly because I came across your Instagram account whew, a while ago, probably almost a year now, if not already a year, definitely longer than a year. And um, I honestly fell in love with your work. Um, they are, to me, works mm -hmm. of art, works of art. And um, and I've grown to appreciate your, your hustle, your grind, because you basically work like every night. So before, you know what? Before we even go into that, I'd like to know how did Norisa Game Calls um, and uh, MAB Custom Knives come to be? Uh, the knives started quite some time ago. Started back in the uh, early 2000s, I think, like 2004. Um, I always wanted to build my own hunting knife, and uh, at the time, eBay was still pretty new. And there's a guy on eBay. Um, I didn't know where he lived at the time, but he actually lived in Australia. <clears throat> And I liked his hunting knives that he was building. So I kind of made a deal with him. How about I send you some moose hunting knives and trade for some of them? Um, and if anybody's thinking of doing that, make sure you uh, remember it has to go through Gamma Ray in Australia, which costs a ton of money but because it's mm. not a native animal to their country. But anyways, he took the antler, made me a couple of really cool hunting knives, and I got them back. And then I inspected them and said, why can't I do that? Um, looks pretty easy to do. So I worked at it for a little while and I never really quite got it down pat. And I stayed in contact with him and he reached out to me and said, why don't you come to Australia? I'll show you how to do it. So I got a passport and I headed to Australia for, for a couple of weeks and, and stayed in his workshop to learn the process of the custom file work, how to grind the blade, you know, correctly and how to build a really cool hunting knife. And, more reading and then got the, the major tools in the shop um, met some knife builders in Maine as well Dan Gray uh, Lamont Coombs <clears throat> very good knife builders and they kind of set me on the right path uh, all right nothing leaves the shop that has your name on, on it that's not a handshake knives that are very high quality knives that can still be used in the field. Uh, they're not a bushcraft knife that you take camping and beat on with a, you know, a baton, uh, mm -hmm. but they're functional works of art. And again, I like using really exotic stuff from, you know, the mammoth ivory and walrus ivory fossilized stuff, uh, fossil coral, um, any of the really exotic woods I try to get from exotic blanks. Um, he's on Instagram as well. He does, is really high-end stabilizing of woods um and that's important when you if you're going to buy a knife from me or anybody else you have to ask the one question which is do you have your wood stabilized um the important part is if if i build you a knife out of let's say some cherry wood out of your yard down the road it's going to expand and contract as moisture comes in and out of that wood and that's mm -hmm. going to fall apart or it's not going to be a really tight. The stabilization process injects that wood, all the cell uh, structure of the wood with an acrylic resin so that mm -hmm. it can't be Went down that road, got very good at my craft, um, a building knife from there just kind of continued to grow. Um, I had a a lot of, again, exotic materials sitting around giraffe bone and, again, sheep's horn and Cape buffalo horn. But the pieces were too small to really do anything with for, for knife building. And the duck calls came in in 2009, or the actual call business is I bought a duck call. 
and it goes back. That's a lot of hard-earned money overnight shipped, you know, because you wait till the day before duck season. And when it finally came in, it sounds horrible. It, it, I can't make it work. So <clears throat> I got pretty upset and had to call the company. And we went round and round about the fact that I used it, so I really couldn't return it. And that was kind of dumb. Obviously, you got to use a duck call to hear it. Mm-hmm. So they gave me in-store credit. It upset me enough that I said, you know what? I bet I can build one of these too. And that's where the call business started. And wow. I started building duck calls and then crow calls, everything you could kind of build. And I started like anybody else. You start with <clears throat> a little wood lathe and you start turning your, what they call the barrel of your duck call. And then you can just buy an it right, from a lot of different companies that build the tone board that makes the noise. You just stick it in the end. So I did that for a while, and then I decided, why can't I? So I had a jig made, and now I make the the whole call, basically. So I actually will turn the piece that, that makes the sound. So it's 100% my call. Um, so the sound you get is because of me, not because I bought it from a store. or It's not made out of acrylic. I could turn them. Um, and then, again, we just continued on down that road from you know deer calls, uh, like I said, crow calls, turkey calls. Now I really enjoy turkey calls uh, the box calls the pot calls obviously the deer grunt calls um that's been a lot of fun nice so basically out of out of necessity or out of just frustration of of uh of knowing you could probably do it better yourself because they weren't providing you with with uh what you needed that's awesome out of necessity comes invention i like that dude that is that is definitely cool um, so it's it's safe to say then, because I mean, you're you're making hunting knives. Um, I mean, you traveled all the way to Australia to learn how to make these knives. Um, you you started out with with duck calls, so it's safe to say that you not only make these hunting tools, but you yourself are a hunter. Yeah, absolutely. I've been hunting since I was a little kid, and uh, probably one of the more exciting times is um, I was with. The- a friend of mine, I'd built a duck and I that tone board myself. And we were in the duck blind and I could hear a duck quacking way up. We call it peak heaven, way up there. And I started quacking back and it would quack and I'd quack and it'd quack. And that duck came all the way down and right in front of the blind and I killed it. So, you know, you sit there with that duck. that i called the duck all the way in and then accomplished hunt by harvesting a duck all right nice now my my listeners don't know but well they will now because i'm about to say we're on a video call on skype and i can see above your head behind you is uh a a couple of a couple of racks hanging up there what so what is deer hunting like for you well pretty successful Um, i mean that i can see so yeah yeah, <laughs> I get pretty lucky. I, I put my time in up here. Um, I've been very fortunate to uh, remain over 200 pounds, uh, which is pretty tough to do up here. Um, our deer per acre is, is pretty long compared to um, down in Connecticut and uh, uh, you can put in a whole week up here of nothing but slave in the woods and, and never see. Deer, not one. Um, that's not uncommon. Not one. The area put it, hold on. And uh, you said, find yourself. A... Hold on. I don't mean to cut you off, but you mean literally put in a week of yep. time and not and not see one deer. That's correct. Never see one. Nope. Wow. Yep. And I'm talking it right in you know good wooded area because 
I'm going to guess we probably have uh, it's probably one or two deer per 10 acres. And that's probably way off. It's probably a lot less than that. Um, I know some of the woods that I carry and I hunt in there's 50 or 60 acres and there's probably eight deer that go through there at one time or another. So you're trying to get in that exact spot at the exact time. Here in Maine, we have some very big swamps and I hunt the swale grass and I, I've done that for years. That's where all these big antlers behind me came from. I get between. Mm -hmm. Hey, Mark. I, I, that's the Mark, I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Mark. I can sit up and hide grass. I'm sorry to cut you off, but you're you're breaking up just a little bit. So the sure. last thing, the last thing that I could I could hear clearly was um talking about how you hunt the the swale grass if i'm pronouncing yes. that correctly yeah yeah so that was the last thing that i heard so you okay. hunt that yeah, no. yeah and the swale grass appears on the edge of like streams and bogs uh heavy really marshy meadows where it's knee deep water and a lot of that's where the big deer go to get away from the hunters once they lay down in that that three four foot tall grass you can be 10 feet from a unit of smelling a doe or having to get up to get something to eat or to move. And that's when I'll, I'll have as my deer that way. Um, and it's just going in the dark and then leave in the dark. And you, I actually will sit in a tree stand from sunup to sundown day after day. That's awesome. And that's, that's wow. pretty much how I've got these big ones. Nice. Nice. Congrats. Nice work. So let me ask you, cause I'm not, I'm not familiar with Maine. Um, what's the most popular game that's hunted up there? Is it, is it, I mean, with the deer being so difficult out by you, is it, but, and then knowing that you were into duck hunting, is duck hunting maybe the big thing out there or is it deer hunting? Yeah, I would, I would say deer is a very big sport here. We have, but it's probably 60% Mainers and 40% out of state is looking for that big swamp buck. Um, our bird season's really big up here for partridge and woodcock. Um, and then duck season is very good here as well. Uh, we've got some ponds that are pretty close to the flyway. We have sea ducks and so forth up here. So those are probably the biggest sports up here is the duck hunting, regular bird hunting, and then our deer hunting. Oh, nice. Nice. All right. Well, um, one, again, I, I see, like I said, with, I see the results hanging above your head behind you. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I know you are an avid hunter. Um, and, what I like is because these days, you know what, um, I've been before, even prior to hunting, because um, the, the reason why I asked about your hunting experience is because even prior to hunting, sometimes you see people who, be, you know, start companies and such um, in certain, you know, fields, but they're not they're not familiar with it. They So it's I like the idea of the fact that you are a hunter and yep. you know what you want you you were you're a bit disappointed with products you were trying to purchase and trying to use and realize you know what i'm gonna make it myself and i'll probably make it better so kudos to you for that yep yeah exactly i mean i actually geez i went years without shooting a turkey because i wasn't interested i was more interested in going out and calling them and having fun with them i mean mm -hmm. there was times when i could have run and i, I could have grabbed him by the neck <laughs> um, I went out by myself and I would sit there and call to them and adjust my calls to try and get the right sound. Um, same with duck hunting. Um, before duck season, I would go down in the mating season time in the spring with my duck calls 
and see if I could call the male away from the female. And that would tell me that I've got my call just about right. If I can move him away from his, his harem, then I'm making the right sound. He knows that I'm a duck, not a guy sitting on the bank with a duck call. So I did that with all of my calls. And I've also had a lot of help from like Trevor from uh, the outdoor drive. Um, he and ghost hunter, uh, um, <clears throat> all those guys have really, uh, helped me out. Hidden mountain bow hunter, um, Stephen Clark. I can send them my turkey pot calls to where I think they sound right to me. And of course I'm the old man of the woods. I'm 55 now. So my hearing's getting a little worse and they can hear things. I don't. And then they can ex kind of explain it to me. We'd like to have this removed or this sound added. And that's where these turkey pots have really taken off to get, them toned right in and one at a time but get them almost exact every time by using calipers and watching um to get the sound that we're all looking for so that you don't have to struggle at it box calls same thing like the ones i sent you uh, to try out in the field uh they're fun to use and all will be out because sounds box calls are uh, pretty much a love of labor uh it's for the greater good because you there's no money in making the box for the most part there's a lot of labor that goes into them the sounds are, are awesome and uh and a lot of people they do want to start with that because the pot call does take some practice to get the right sounds out of it and pretty much almost right out of the box you can at least get the sound of a turkey by moving the paddle back and forth yeah so, and, that's, you, and that's where that came in it's uh, the the box call is definitely a lot easier to use than a uh, than a pot call, and uh, way both are way easier than using a diaphragm. Cause uh, yep. that's that's what made you hit me up when you heard me um uh, yes, trying to use yep. my diaphragm. Yeah, I chuckled. Right you, it, it's funny because you had the mouth call and you're like, "What do you think?" I'm like, "Sounds just like me with a mouth call. It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't use the mouth call. The, the roof of my mouth is just not shaped right." And mm -hmm. it just, I can't do it. I've tried it and I just really, I, I would scare off everything within 50 yards. So I, I don't bother and I make um, the calls. So I might as well take one of my calls rather than a piece of, uh, you know, I, I teased Trevor when he was using a mouth call and I, I had given him one of my, uh, it's up to you if you want to get used to the flavor of latex in your mouth, but I'd rather not. <laughs> so, I, yeah. So, but he's very good with it. And like, like he said, sometimes those turkeys have heard every box call, every pot call. And those guys that can use a mouth call, it's that last piece to coax them in that they can get them in firing range. And I, I just can't, can't do it. Um, I'll just do little tiny purrs on my purr pot or on a little tiny turkey call and, and try to coax them in the, the last of the way. Um, I, I'm with you. I, I can't do it. I, and I don't have the patience to continue to practice. It's just too much spit on the dash. <laughs> well, at the, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I like the boss call. It's, it's real forgiving when it comes to, you know, a beginner and whatnot. So I have fun with it sitting in my truck, uh, during work. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I had customers walking by wondering what the hell I was doing, you know, in my truck. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like so. I'm with the, with the duck call in my mouth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, um, all right. So now let me ask you, all right. So you make not, ju not just any knife, not just any call, but you make them custom. Cause so you make them all one at a time. What goes into like the whole process? If I say, yo, Mark, I've got an idea for, you know, for, um, you know, uh, a grunt call. 
like wh- what mm-hmm. goes into that? Uh, the grunt calls, same thing. I turn them all. The only thing I buy are the reeds um, and the metal bands that go around the calls. Other than that, everything is hand-turned on the lathe one at a time. And then I have to hand-tune every one of them. Um, so I basically, between the tone board and the reed, that's where you know noise is going to come from. But let's say you said, so from there, what type you're looking for, where if you go on my website you'll see i have like the evolution series and the exotic series um all they are is the exotic series is there's a slide on my grunt calls so that you can go from a doble to a big swamp butt grunt just by moving your thumb on the slide and that slide will have like giraffe bone or cape buffalo um inside the call can be almost anything i like exotic stuff in there from uh the moss that's in our woods birch bark acorn cats beech nuts anything that i see in the woods when i'm deer hunting uh that's whale grass uh, really it's limitless uh, gold flake copper flake silver flake so by incorporating that in the call it becomes again a work of art so now it becomes jewelry for the hunter that is extremely easy to use and uh, so these calls when you take them to deer camp the guys have never seen anything like it and the sounds um, have been tested on some of the, the deer yards uh, the boys took them to bone bridle and we gave some to their guides, and they called in some massive deer. There were over 200 deer that they had a hard time calling in with anything else but my calls. And I was very happy to hear them say that they they were that impressed with them. And uh, it it really made a big difference for me to strike calls at the finish. Um, so, yeah, I've had customers call and say, you know, where we hunt, there's a lot of beech nuts. I'll put the beech nut husk inside the resin, and I may tint the resin if you want a little bit tinted or leave it clear and I spray it and then it's not just a square block uh, um, an inch. I'm recording again alright and so yep. the last thing that I was uh, able to hear clearly was um, you, when I asked you about what goes into making the call you had spoken about um, an inch and a half block that you use, uh, I guess, the resin itself before you, prior to you shaping yep. um, everything. So how does that go from there? Yeah, so I'll <clears throat> take the resin and, like I was saying, let's say you tell me that where you hunt, um, there's a lot of beech nut trees and you'd like to incorporate something like that in the call. Um, I have a bunch of stuff here, you know, from ferns, that it, beech nut, acorn caps, all, all that. So, so I'd actually put that in the call. I'll pull it, put that in the mold. And then I may or may not tint the resin depending on what color you want the call. And then I'll pour that resin in. Uh, it's a Lumalite, uh, clear, slow. It goes in a pressure pot. Uh, it's kept in there for 24 hours, taken out. When I take it out, the block is just about six and a quarter, six and a half inches by an inch and a half square. So I'll make my, because one other piece is going to be the tone channel where the sound comes from and my rubber tube hooks. Um, so it's got to go on the lathe, be all hand turned and shaped by hand, all hand sanded and finished. Then I've got to make the tube as well, um, get that all done. That does go on a CNC machine for just a, a couple of minutes to have a, a slot cut in it. That's the only time I don't physically do it. Um, that's where the slide's going to go so that that call will make that dough bleak or that butt grunt by moving that slot. Uh, um, then I'll put in the tone board, the wedge with the, uh, the reed, and then I'll start adjusting it from there. And I do have custom made rubber grunt tubes, which 
there's very, very few call makers that have those. Um, it makes a huge difference in the amount of t tones that you can make by moving that rubber, crushing it down. I, I have, what's funny is I have one of those calls. Bending it back and forth. Compared uh, um, to, yep. Did I lose you again? Yeah, you did. I thought you had stopped talking. I'm sorry, but uh, but yeah, that that one um that one you were talking about with the with the tube, I have yep. I have one of those, and I love that because that one was really easy to use. I remember trying to listen to or trying to imitate um you know uh, a doe call and stuff like that. All I had to do because uh, it's like. It's like an accordion type of type of deal that to yes, where it is. Yeah. I could just I could yeah. just pull it out and collapse it again and again and to adjust for, you know, whatever sound I was trying to make. And again, just like the box call, totally forgiving for the, you know, the newer hunter, um, a lot exactly. easier to use as, as opposed to the slide, the slide. I do have I have two of your calls. I have. I have the, the the tube that allows me to, to adjust like that. And then I have the one with the slide. But I found yep. the one with the tube allowed me to really just as I listen to something, you know, on my on my computer, I could easily imitate it just by adjusting it. So definitely yeah, made they, it a whole lot. Yeah, they they're really good for the beginner. Now, one of the things I got to say, one of the dopest calls that I saw um, you make, um, I can't I think it was last year. No, probably earlier this year. Um, was the call with the uh, uh, a shredded hundred dollar bill? Was it hundred dollar bills in it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, they're shredded hundred dollar bills from the U.S. Mint. Um, when your money gets all worn out and the stores and the banks, you know, take it out of circulation, it goes back to them and they shred it. And uh, yeah, that's the line of calls that I make. It's called the Prospector series. I do them with the shredded hundred dollar bills and grunt calls and turkey pot calls. Um, pretty much anything I can get it into duck calls. It's, it's really neat to see all the shredded bills in there. <laughs> Definitely. So let me ask you, what's what's the weirdest um, material you've used to make a call? Um, that would probably be Trevor. He sent me uh, a bunch of teeth out of uh, some skulls, and uh, I actually turned a custom pen for him um, out of that. And I probably won't do a call out of it um, because they're they're really hard on the tools that. <laughs> But uh, probably next in line would be mammoth ivory. Um, I've got mammoth ivory and acrylic resin um, that I've used, and that makes a, an extremely unique call. You, you won't see too many guys out there with a deer grunt call that's made out of mammoth ivory. No, not at all. Wow. Mammoth ivory. Yep. Oh. Yeah, and then I made a, one other call for a gentleman um, quite some time ago, uh, which was uh, a crow call made out of real Baltic amber. Wow. See, it's like stuff like that. It, that's where I say like your calls uh, always look like works of art. Um, it's just, I mean, I don't even know how you find time to do this. Because if I'm correct, you have like a, a regular nine to five, right? During the day. I do. Yep. Yep. That's then, exactly then, right. Yeah. And then you literally come home at night and you literally grind out these calls. I do. Yeah. I I own Penobscot Appliance Repair, which is a in-home appliance repair service company. Uh, we do the uh, warranty work for the big box stores, plus all our regular customers. So I do my regular nine to five, and then I come home, 
uh, hang out with the wife. She's a nurse, so uh, when she does have to work, she has to get up early. So I have supper, hang out with her, and I'm in the shop at 7.30 until usually midnight, uh, most nights. And that's when I'm building my knives and uh, building my calls. And um, usually just me and the dog in there hanging out. And uh, once in a while, Ethan will come over. He and uh, his wife have really helped me out with uh, doing the acrylic pours on a lot of the turkey pots and uh, the grunt calls when we got started because um, I needed a little extra help. He'll run the CNC machine while I'm doing something else and cut that groove for me. Um, and he's good about testing out my calls. He's, he's learned how to use that doble to, uh, during expanded archery, he's gotten busted in a tree before and start mm -hmm. wailing on the, on that bleak call and get the doe to come right back out again and actually harvest the doe that way. Wow. That is awesome. Yep. All right. Yep. So, so here's the deal. Um, got a new segment, right. Uh, that I'm going to start using with, uh, beginning with you, you are my Guinea pig. Uh, to basically to round out to round out the interview, all right? So here's the deal. Um, one of my favorite movies is Godfather, all right? And you know the line, I'm going to make an, an offer he can't refuse, all right? Yep. So what piece of advice could you offer a new hunter, right, that he'd be a fool to refuse when it comes to either buying or using, you know, a game call? I would say definitely don't be afraid to use a game call. Um, it doesn't have to be a high-end call. I mean, but practice on it. Watch the video. Now with technology, I mean, holy. I mean, I didn't grow up with technology. So now with technology, you can watch videos on how to use it. You can get information on who's talking about what call. Uh, but I think you really should try and take everything to your advantage. I mean, you are going up you know, against an animal that lives in that domain and you're trying to sneak in there and harvest that animal. They're not going to uh, give it up really easy. Um, we all have great luck occasionally where one just stumbles into you. Um, that old saying, a blind squirrel can find a nut. So, <laughs> you know, that can happen. But if you really want to be successful, you've got to put your time in. You've got to take scent cover very, very um, serious, which I make my own cover scent as well, if anybody's interested in, in doe lure and all that stuff. Oh, um, wow. Covering, okay. Yeah. No, I have my own, my own line of that. But it's, uh, it's very important to make sure your scent is covered. Always use the wind in your favor. And then, like I said, I think a grunt call for deer season is super important to have with you, um, especially if you're walking through the woods, um, trying to get you to stand and maybe a little late getting in there. It doesn't hurt to honk on the grunt call every now and then. So anything around in the area thinks it's you. Um, okay. And then the best piece of advice that I sometimes forget to do is if you have a deer stand and you are hunting out of your deer stand or your deer blind, and you sat there all day, you think you hear one, but it's getting too late to shoot. The last thing I want you to do is to walk out of that deer blind because you're going to scare that deer off and he's going to know that it was a human. I want you to get buy a coyote call, be it one of mine or anybody else's. And I want you, before you leave your deer blind, to blow on the coyote call and to make the appropriate sounds of coyotes. To now, make why, that deer that? walk away. Now it's a natural thing. The deer is going to leave the area because he hears coyotes. And he's going to wander away and he's not going to place that noise with a hunter being there in a stand. Um, he will avoid it. If he knows there's a hunter there, if it's coyotes, that doesn't really concern him. He hears them every night. He just knows that they're over in that area right now and he has to move. So he'll leave and he may go back in there tomorrow night. Uh, let him think there's a natural predator there. That's exactly scare, right. Scare, scare him off for the time being gives you enough yep. time to get out of the area. As yep, a point, like you said, like you said, yep. if he if he gets scared um, out of that area because 
he knows there's a hunter there. He's not coming yep. back. Exactly. If he hears you clinking and banging out of your stand and, and dropping stuff and, and sneezing or whatever, you busted yourself. I mean, that big 200-pound deer is not going to go anywhere near that spot ever again. But if he happened to almost come to you and you, you maybe you didn't even hear him, I still want you to blow on the coyote call just to make sure if he's there, he'll wander off. After you blow the coyote call, you only have to wait five or ten minutes and then go ahead and walk out. It's a really a, one of the best things you can do to improve your hunts uh, to make sure that those deer keep coming back into that area. Dude, that is the best piece of advice that I've heard, and I will definitely make sure I use it because um, I honestly didn't even think about that because I have, I, to be honest, I've been worried about the noise I'm going to make, one, in, yep. you know, in the morning heading to the stand and, yep. then, and then heading out. You know yep, what I'm saying? Exactly. So, but now thinking about that, that's just, that is the dopest piece of advice that I've ever heard yeah. and definitely yeah. one that I'm going to take to heart and put into practice this fall. Oh, absolutely. Like I said, if you're late, getting, if it's pitch, pitch dark and you're going in, you usually don't have to worry too much. But if you're getting close time-wise, like I said, it's a great idea to have that grunt call hanging on your neck so that if you do jump one or you think you jumped one, definitely blow the grunt call so that they think it's another deer just walking through. And like I said, but definitely before you leave, have a coyote call with you and just, just start hauling on it. Make a racket and get them out of there so that you can walk out safely. Definitely. Sounds like a plan. But you know what? I, I know I said I was going to, I was rounding out this, this uh, interview with that final question, but you put something out there that either I didn't know or something I forgot. Tell me about these cover scents you were just talking about. Yeah, it's a recipe I got from a long time ago uh from a family friend i used to call him uncle peanut uh but he'd been around for he used to be he wasn't even really related but that's what you did back then um i kept this recipe forever and never did anything with it and then i started experimenting with it and uh a lot of guys like my scent cover because it has no smell or i can give you one that smells like earth but if you spray down your camera gear or you spray down your bow or yourself there's no white residue left over that's the biggest thing, and uh, uh, I've had I've had some hardcore hunters try it, like Garrett from Modern Assassin. Um, mm -hmm. He put it right to the test. He said, "I'm no fool. I'm gonna I'm gonna really push it," and he fell right in love with it. And uh, he and I have got to get together on a, a few more uh, things that we want to do with that scent cover and uh, also some attractant. But uh, no, they put it to the test, and I use it every time I go. Um, I always spray myself down with the cover scent. It's like ten dollars, I think, or twelve dollars for an eight ounce bottle. Um, and then I have trail maker, I have scrape maker and then dough and heat. Um, the trail maker is a mix of all kinds of deer that you, and it comes in a little spray bottle. So you don't have to get it on you. Um, and you can just mist it occasionally here and there on the ground on the way in. Mm -hmm. Um, I usually will spray the bottom of my shoes, um, when I'm doing trail maker or put a piece of felt pad on the bottom of my shoe and use that to walk in. Um, so I'm leaving a natural trail as i go uh, if you have time in the morning as you're headed to your stand it's nice to walk way out in front of your stand in your shooting lanes with that spray and then spray and then go to your stand um i harvested a deer three years ago that way i get to the stand a little late forgot to spray the lane a deer cut the lane i was i had a rifle i was hunting with a rifle and uh i couldn't get him on quick enough so i get a little upset with myself i had to get down to go to the bathroom so i got down i went down the shooting lane I took my scrape maker. I sprayed it on a stump. I had to be looking the other way. About two hours later, I looked down, and he's sniffing that stump. And that was the last thing he remembers doing. 
<laughs> nice. All right. And now all of this is available on your website, correct? Yes. Yeah. Under NoristaGameCalls.com. And of course, you can follow me on Instagram as well under NoristaGameCalls. Uh, the knife site is M as in Mark, A is an Apple, B is in Boy. So it's M A B Custom Knives. And there's links on both sites that go back and forth as well. Copy that. Well, thank you, man. I, I truly appreciate you taking the time out and then even being patient with me uh, as we dealt with the, <laughs> these technical difficulties. Well, that's uh, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm closer to the house now. I'm out of the shop and, uh, getting, and, and playing with the mosquitoes. <laughs> you and me both. I'm out front. My, I'm out in front of my apartment building. I don't know there if you heard. The, I don't know if you heard the yeah. bus go by. Yeah, I did. But and you also <laughs> have to tell your listeners that you and I are going to work on getting them a custom call giveaway when you're ready. Uh, you yes, yes, word. yes. Was once. You know what? I've, I've got an. I've got a. I've got an idea in mind, man. I, I've been. The wheels have been turning. You know, what I'm saying I'm, I'm on vacation this week, so I'm really focused on. You know. Uh, one on my hunting plans and two uh working with with, with you know with you and, and getting some stuff out there because um yep. i got some ideas brother got some ideas that's awesome all right so sir you have a good night and again thank you for taking the time out to uh speak with me oh reach out to me anytime buddy i appreciate it no doubt have a blessing all right all right get him in close yes sir all right, y'all, and again, that was Mark Buzzle of Nor'easter Game Calls and MAB Custom Knives. And actually, you know what? Not Mark, Mac Buzzle of Nor'easter Game Calls and MAB Custom Knives. Uh, like I told you before, his his stuff is a piece of art. All his work are, are pieces of art. Um, you know what I'm saying? I mean, that's what goes into making custom gear. You know what I'm saying? Um, so if you are in the market for, you know, a custom call, a custom hunting knife, hit the brother up, check out nor'eastergamecalls.com, follow him on Instagram, uh, at nor'eastergamecalls, um, and you can see for yourself the type of work that this brother likes to put into, uh, his, uh, his art, whatnot. So, um, hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Mark. I know I did. I learned a lot. I like using his gear. I look forward to uh, using more of it, especially this fall on my deer hunt. Um, if you, again, enjoyed this convo, hook a brother up with a five-star rating. All right. Just go to the review section of the platform you're listening to, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify, whatever it may be. Hook me up. I would truly appreciate it. All right. So y'all stay blessed. And remember, respect the journey even when it's not your own.